Hi, and welcome to Drinking with Creatives, where we drown journalists of responsibility in a pool of vodka. My name is Jeremy Berger, a filmmaker and senior editor. Each week I chat with a professional creative, and we have a few drinks. The landscape of filmmaking, especially genre filmmaking, has changed dramatically in the past 10 years. From crowdfunding to Patreon, the resources for filmmakers has risen even as actual opportunities seem to shrink. With me today to discuss is filmmaker and friend Sean Mannion of Four Mile Circus. Enjoy. First question, most important question. What are you drinking? I am drinking Erdinger Weissbrau non-alcoholic malt beverage. Excellent. It's not bad. I try a couple of these uh, sort of semi-randomly, the non-alcoholic ones, because I just want to taste beer again, um, which I feel like sounds like a weird thing to say, but like, because people tend to complain about what beer tastes like. I'm like, no, I actually like, you know, I, I don't, I don't like, I never liked an IPA because I was just like, I don't need my, I don't need my beer to be able to travel all the way across the world. Uh, but a nice... <laughs> Uh, wonderful and, and, historic <laughs> reference by the way well done <laughs> top marks it's like i had i had to look up at one point i was like what the like because like i'd grown up like around people who like ipas like my dad drinks them and mm -hmm. stuff and um i looked it up and i was like wait it's this way because it had to travel it just had to travel across the world it's not it's just a oof. i just never I, I i like it a little easier i like i like the german ones the Belgian ones. I need them to make a delirium tremens that's non-alcoholic. That's what I need. Because oh. that thing tasted delicious. And then I was plastered after way too fast. But oh yeah, half of it's like rubbing alcohol, man. You're not gonna be able to get that stuff out. Damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally, they're gonna lose half their yield if they try to take the alcohol just, out. Just 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 breed a pink elephant that doesn't that doesn't produce alcohol when you when you wring it out or whatever it, whatever it is they make that out of. I assume it's pink elephants because that's what's on the bottle. I assume what's on the bottle is what you make the drink out of. So oh, they absolutely just ground up like uh, uh, pink elephants and ferment them. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Put a little salt on that, leave it out in the sun. It's wonderful. Got the idea yeah. from Thomas Edison. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> nice historical reference there. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Sean, um, because I'm not drinking non-alcoholic and I want to make sure I get this question in before, you know, I drink more. Uh, please tell everybody uh, who you are, what you do and where we can find you. Uh, as, as you uh, as you said, my name is Sean. Uh, Sean Mannion. I am a filmmaker and a podcaster and a person who stays in all the time. Uh <laughs> because we all do this year. Um, I, uh, I do a little bit of everything. I mostly focus on film. Uh, I've, uh, I've got a, a bunch of short films out there in the world. I've got a feature film named Meme uh, on a few platforms. Um, and I, I've been doing all that for a little over a decade now, uh, for better or worse. Um, and uh, do a little bit of podcasting as well. Uh, talk, about, uh, talk about movies there. Um, because if I'm going to make them, I might as well talk about them too. Why not? Let's make my whole life about it. Uh, and uh, I can be found um, 
I have a website, sean-mannion.com, um, because they keep trying to sell me seanmannion.com for too much money because there's a football player with my name. So they figure that surely they can get a lot of money for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, But nobody owns that. <laughs> so oh, wow. every once in a while, I get like a, a Twitter DM saying, I'll give you seanmannion.com for $1,000. And I'm just like, I'm good. I've been using seanmannion.com for 15 years i'm not gonna change that that's like my main email address too um so uh so yeah so it's uh sean-man.com is my personal uh one that i don't update as often as i probably should uh four mile circus the number four mile is in the distance and circus is in where clowns are uh, is, uh, is the name of my company and we're my business partner, uh, Nicole Solomon and I, uh, put, uh, we keep that one much more up to date with our film and podcasting work. Um, and so, uh, I'm on various, uh, social medias as uncle Sean, all one word. Uh, so, um, sometimes the, 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 the autocorrect changes it to unclean, which isn't entirely wrong. Um, so yeah, Instagram, Twitter, please don't find me on Facebook. I'm trying to leech myself off of Facebook. So, but I'm always happy to connect with people. Uh, maybe not so much on LinkedIn anymore because I always get weird shit on LinkedIn. Like <laughs> people pitching me on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm not the person you think I am. <laughs> um, wait this man's a producer he was exactly. made out of the cash i'm listed as a producer because tech i have a bunch of producing credits for various reasons from various films um but it's more because I'm, I'm not the money kind of producer i'm the does work kind of producer um i'm the helps you get shit done kind of producer so i would much rather be the money producer a lot of the time i really would i would much rather I much rather be the money producer. I think you li- you have to lift less heavier things when mm-hmm. you're the money producer. Oh, I still manage to not lift heavy things, but that's just because I'm I'm lazy and I'm older than a lot of people. Not everybody that I work with, but a lot of people that I work with. So I'll just go like, ah, you know, I'm old. <laughs> See, that's I'll just go, <laughs> 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 and just you, you just you let you let out one of those grunts, and people don't want you to touch anything. <laughs> So, I'm sorry. Can you do that for me one more time, please? Okay. Is that like? Is that am I, am I That's pretty much it. Like, it's yeah. like the back of the throat a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, you know, people are just like, "Are you okay?" No. <laughs> Can I get that for you? No. Uh, I mean, man, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm a human disaster. <laughs> oh my god! This is this is going to quickly turn into the. Sean one liner hour. Um I'm okay unfortunately, it. unfortunately, that's that that that's what happens when I'm on a podcast. Is you start asking me questions, I don't shut. Good, good, good. Uh people who shut up after getting asked questions are terrible podcast guests. I I um I have been there once or twice, and it is frustrating because you want them to be you you want to you're you're like, all right, I know you got interesting things to say. I'm you're here for a reason. I'm not getting paid for you to be here. So like, <laughs> I know you got things in you. And it's like that trying to tease it out. It can, uh, in any kind of interview situation, podcasting on film or anything like that is like, cause you're trying not to pressure the person. Cause that just makes it worse. But <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of hoping that everyone's played that improv game. Uh, yes. And 
Yes, and I, yeah, I will say that improv people are uh, are some of the best people to have on a podcast. Though their interviews or otherwise, they, they'll just keep going, and so it's like, oh, I don't have to do any work today. <laughs> you see, that set you up, and you can just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just. This is a safe place. Uh, you can continue as 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 you see fit. <laughs> That's great news to me because that's like one of the, you know, I, you know, obviously I, I, I edit for a living and um, I got to tell you, uh, editing this podcast, like I, I want to do as little of it as possible because then it's just like work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I should, I'm going to track down some improv people, I think pretty soon. That sounds. We that just sounds had fun. some great guys that I think that you, I think that you would like, uh, they have a podcast, it's called Brothers from Another Planet uh and they have uh they have their they, they do improv they do a lot of uh, film and uh podcasting stuff but lamar Tarek, and, and don uh, i think they have some other people on it now regularly too but lamar Tarek, and don are the guys that i know and um uh they they just did one episode of our show where we talked about um our show uh the celluloid the celluloid mirror where we talk about uh we take two different very different films and we pair them together and talk about what they have to to do with each other and um sort of larger cultural um sort of topics around them uh and we talked about the ernest dickerson movie um surviving the game uh starring ice t and parasite the oscar winner from 2000 from last year um and uh, we were just talking about like what those what those two films had in common, and we had these guys on, and basically Nicole and I didn't really have to do anything. We just like okay, so here's the thing, and then they just start going, and I'm just like all right, <laughs> this is good. This is why we have you guys on. I just like listening to you guys. So keep going. Two hours later, yeah, actually, I mean our show is is a little long. <laughs> <laughs> We're consistently in like the two hour range. We had one episode I had to cut down from four hours. Oh, or just bring it up into two, two hour episodes. No. Cause there was like a lot of stuff where it was just like, there was a, um, it's wonderful. Uh, but we have an episode which, uh, where we talk about, uh, sorry to bother you. And, um, the Bruce Lee movie, the big boss. And our guest, oh. uh, Che Broadnax, uh, who is who's also a filmmaker, um, he was del- he was also one of those like great guests. But also he had like a thirty five minute um, explanation of the plot of the Big Boss. So it's practically like watching the movie. It is incredibly entertaining. This this wow. uh, this description he has, but it's like thirty five minutes. I had to cut it down. To, I think I got it down to like seven minutes. <laughs> but well done. <laughs> it was a lot of work for that one uh but we, yeah we have like two versions of the show we've got uh our cut down version of the show that goes out publicly and then we have a m- mostly unedited sometimes somebody slips and says something that like oh wait i shouldn't i shouldn't say this even in a semi-public forum like some private thing about like oh we know a person in common and oh did you hear this part this this happened with that person that sort of thing comes up um less as as we've gone on but um so we have but we also just record our video zoom video and so we just post that to our patreon so uh so the patrons get like the four hour version but (laughs) but the rest of the world has to hear the cut down version i think we just go ahead and just kind of throw that out there if we did want to find you on patreon where would we go 
That is, I should have said that. If I was better at doing this, I would have said that already. Patreon.com slash four mile circus. Number four miles in the distance circus, like where the clowns are. So you bring that up as a reference. I'm going to want an explanation at some point, but I want to jump <laughs> into, uh, because we, you and I have discussed before on many occasions uh, with many drinks, um, you know, the uh, genre of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've made several uh, horror films. You've re- you've written and directed, yeah, written and directed several horror films. Yeah, right? I've written and directed several horror shorts. I've produced uh, uh, I've produced more on top of that. Um, my business partner Nicole is is much more. I'm a little bit. I'm I love horror. I do horror. Um, she's much more sort of in the horror sort of genre zone than I am in terms of like what her main sort of storytelling output is. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then we also collaborate with other people who create horror films like uh, Christina Raya or the um, uh, or the folks at the Aud- Audra's Revenge Film Collective we've been collaborating with. Oh, that sounds intimidating. They're, they're very cool. We've been, we've been helping them. They're... Um, they're uh they sort of have there's sort of that like punk rock diy sort of vibe to a lot of the stuff that they've been doing um and uh they were looking to collaborate with some people who um did some things that they liked but also were doing things that were not quite like super professional because we're not uh but a little bit i think slightly more uh professional than uh some of the work that they'd uh already done and they reached out to us and we said yeah let's let's do that i think mostly they'd seen uh nicole's film small talk and and that uh that uh, opened the doors to that and we've got a very exciting uh vampire film with them coming uh, sometime soon uh it's in post so. <laughs> it's in post my two yes. favorite words in, in post. post so i'm very curious about a couple different angles but oh, oh my god every single plan plane not plan plane is landing above my house right now jesus <laughs> can you hear that i did hear that i did hear that i had to turn the mic off for a second when i had like the, the the police siren that was just taking 20 minutes to get over from one block oh Anyway, I think that plane just flew over my house too. Like six blocks away from each other. So yeah, it totally yeah, is. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, it just gets, it gets to me a few minutes after you. I don't think. Yeah, there it's gone. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. If you I, I don't, I, I don't hear it at all on yours. Yeah. God, I spent so much money on this microphone. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about this from so uh, many angles, because again, so much of uh, my professional uh, work and even my private work has been in the documentary sector. Um, but I grew up uh, on horror movies. I grew up loving horror movies. And I grew up also noticing how horror movies had a place to play in the, not like as a genre, in the development of so many uh, of, of careers, if you will. Um, Wes Craven, everybody knows about, but like, you know, also James Cameron started off working for um, uh, Roger Corman mm-hmm. uh, way back in the day. And, uh, and John Carpenter. And John Carpenter, yeah. I think well, I think didn't everybody just basically work for Roger Corman? I'm like Francis Ford. Yeah, Roger for yeah. worked for Francis Ford. Scorsese. Yeah, everybody. Everybody went through Corman and Corman's like whole thing because like he was 
just getting shit done. And like, that was a great training ground for, for a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of filmmakers that we celebrate. And I, Corman gets his due often, but like, I think broadly, culturally, not nearly as much as he deserves um, for like, yeah, we wouldn't have had that, that explosion of, of film art in the 70s that we had here in america without roger corman i mean i'm not a, i'm not i'm no great film historian or anything like that but i just kind of look at like you said coppola um scorsese jonathan demi like all these guys i forgot about jonathan demi that's right yeah what did he do he did uh, some women in prison movie i think was his first direct it was his directorial debut like they all they did the, like these trashy movies but like um that was an opportunity for them to make a movie yeah and um and somebody who would just kind of say like here's how to make movies economically which some of them took i think lessons from that and some of them not so much coppola (laughs) (laughs) so is that and i'm being super specific with my terribly journalistic questioning here Uh, is that still a thing or has that now changed? Because of course I think of people like James Gunn who started off under Roger, uh, not Roger Corman, but uh, Lloyd Kaufman at Troma mm-hmm. uh, made his first film, uh, Tromeo and Juliet. And I don't know if you ever checked like that piece of, you know, masterclass it, cinema. No. It's, it's, Oh, it's good stuff. Um, <laughs> as long as your stomach is strong, it's good stuff. See that that's, I, I, appreciate trauma but i have a hard time with their movies because uh like uh vomit and shit and stuff like that just i just really really puts me off i can't I'm like, i i find myself not as able to watch it and i'm like i appreciate what you're doing like i appreciate the economy of it um and i've been sort of in the orbit of trauma a couple of times in my time here in New York. And I appreciate like, yeah, just sort of the, the, the stick to itiveness, I guess is one, one thing, like they're just still pushing at it, still making new things, doing as much as they can with what they've got um, to do it. And, uh, and also he's got a lot of like interesting ties to the film world as well. I mean, like Rocky was cut on his equipment. Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and his wife was the film commissioner of New York until like really recently. I do like, remember that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was working for his daughter for a little while. And uh, so I heard that's right. I forgot that about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, his daughter co-founded uh, the gear rental website Kitsplit, and I was working with them uh, in. I was doing their social media. Uh, for for a couple of years there um and uh and yeah and it's just sort of like hearing about it seeing a little bit behind the scenes it's like those people and like you're saying like james gunn came up through um came up through trauma other people i think probably did as well that we don't hear as much mm-hmm. um i think we're in a, we're also in a different I think it's a yes and no to, to, to get to your question of do are which I, I if, uh, your question is essentially are, is it still happening the same way we've got horror we've got sort of this low budget sort of schlock stuff like what Corman was kind of some of what Corman was doing um, yes. 
like, is that where the training ground for people? Um, I think that there are aspects to which that's happening. There are mm-hmm. ways in which that's happening. Um, what isn't the guy who just directed uh, Kong, Godzilla versus Kong? I think he started in horror. I actually uh, don't know who that is. Uh, hold on, let me. Let, I got. Let me pull this up because I'm pretty sure he directed some of the VHS movies or directed some of the spots in the VHS movies. Godzilla versus Kong. Might be remembering right. Adam Wingard. Yeah, he directed uh, the 2016 Blair Witch. You're next in 2011. And, and at least one of the shorts in the VHS horror collection. And he just did Godzilla versus Kong. Um, and I mean, he's still mostly doing horror. And I, you, could, you could argue that Godzilla versus Kong is kind of a horror thing. It doesn't, it wasn't much of a horror movie. It wasn't really very horror, horror-y, but there's certainly horror icons. Um, but uh, I mean, there's a little bit to which that's happening, but I think there's also a little bit to which a little, a, a, a little bit of more typecasting, I think, than there used to be. Really? Uh, that's not, you know, as we use that term for actors and I don't think that there's an, I don't know that there's an equivalent term for directors, but like, I think that the, uh, and this is, this is, um, like people's like least favorite thing to hear from me talk about, uh, which is I think that there's um, less there's there's more opportunity to make films. Yes. There's more ability to make films. There's more uh, accessibility in making films. However, I think that the world of filmmaking is more stratified and less permeable, less accessible uh, than uh, in some ways it's been before. Uh, than what it's been before. And I think it's partly because of uh, the internet. I think it's part, partly because of like just stratification based on like, um, like look at who is um, sort of making movies, who has access to, um, to, for example, make Game of Thrones. Those guys, like their parents are like bankers, like, and not like, not like small town bankers, like, what is it like Goldman Sachs type people like those are the people who have access to that world um, is because they can get in the meetings and it's all kind of stratified in this way where things are in certain respects less accessible than they were perhaps I would argue I'm sure somebody could 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 counterpoint this and I I would welcome it Uh, than they were perhaps 30 35 years ago Um, and you know, I don't think that we are having as many instances of, you know, we don't have as many people like, um, uh, what's his name, Robert Rodriguez or Kevin Smith or Quentin Tarantino, right. or like these guys who are just kind of lucked into um, the, like hitting on something just right at just the right time, meeting just the right people. And then, you know, getting the backing of a terrible person, but also just sort of somebody who isn't making shit happen and, and the Weinsteins. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think that we have the same kind of ecosystem for that because there's, because it, because people could make, figured out how to make money off of all of this. You know, mm-hmm. the whole like indie film scene shifts 
once it becomes something that it like seems like you can get into it because like Kevin's people like Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino and Steven Soderbergh before them like it's something that's like oh okay well I can just go make a movie and maybe we can get into Sundance and then that becomes kind of a flood of people trying to do it and then you know 25 years later 30 years later um it's how to do it is monetized I mean the number of like sign up for our mailing list and get our free ebook which sells you on our full-size ebook like things on websites on like how to become how to become a successful filmmaker how to crack the hollywood code how to get it how to how to sell your your screenplay to everybody like the stratification i think is 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 much more significant and um unfortunately there is um everybody's still aiming at the Hollywood uh, game and I, and the Hollywood game is less accessible than it's ever been for, if for no other reason than Hollywood itself is making less movies, like Hollywood is making less movies. They're spending more on, you know, big budget blockbusters and poles. Ten poles, yes, exactly. They're spending more money on ten poles, and they're making less smaller movies. So there's no room for the rest of us. You know, you have to kind of luck out or like get into the right rooms, and that sometimes is just a matter of like who your parents are. Um, and and I think it's unfortunate that so many of us, you know, myself included, are like think too much towards like, oh, okay, well, how can I? you know, that the whole pick me attitude, like, oh, hey, I'm here doing stuff, pick me. Um, and, you know, I'm prepping a, I'm prepping a, uh, an application to the Sundance production lab right now. Um, with my, with my business partner, we both have scripts, we're trying for that. Uh, Cause why not? But also it's like, it's also like, but we're probably not you know, we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily fit into that world. It'd be great if we do. And th that in a year, like I can say, well, I was wrong. Um, but, uh, but the truth is, is like too many people are aiming at that when there's so much opportunity elsewhere. And I think we're missing out on that opportunity elsewhere a little bit because of a flood of content. I went off a little bit on this on last night, last night on Twitter. Cause I occasionally randomly ramble on things on Twitter. And you're um, sure you're not drinking. No, I just, this is just me. This is me not drinking. So I'm much worse drinking. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, what is it? What does it they say? Uh, drinking doesn't, doesn't change who you are. It just makes you more of who you are. Um, so oh God, uh, help me. yeah, <laughs> why i stopped um i'm like oh that's not good uh, who i am should have a limit um but uh but yeah i was just kind of going off on that uh this idea of it was it was sparked by there was an announcement that they're developing a sequel series to night court and I'm excited because I loved night court when I was a kid and I love the theme song I actually don't care about anything else I just want the theme song back on a regular basis, even just a slightly modified version of the theme song. Just give me that night court theme song again, feed me this like little thing from my childhood to like soothe my brain and make me stop thinking about how a lot of things are, you know, terrible. Um, 
And then I saw a couple of people respond to it. Like I was excited, but I saw a couple of people respond to it. Oh, there's no original ideas. And I just went off on, I didn't go off on the people. I, you know, I just went off on my timeline mm-hmm. uh, on there's plenty of original films. There's plenty of original media being produced. Hundreds of independent films produced every year that are being released every year. A lot of them on Amazon prime, a lot of them on Apple TV, every other platform that you could, that you kind of look around on it's there it's available if you go look for it but like there's too much of filmmakers and too many viewers are just fixated on the hollywood side when there's a whole like we don't need that we don't need the hollywood side of it and i've gone very far afield from your question uh but i'm coming back to it uh which is i'm here for the journey man i'm into it go for it (laughs) which is uh the I think because one of my jobs is I, I work with uh, and I've been working with for, for a few years now, uh, Brick, which is the public access TV here in Brooklyn and the facilities and the education, because I teach with them, uh, the classes that we teach, there super cheap the facilities that they have, like, it's not like amazing, like post-production facilities, but it's like accessible, like local facilities for people who are, you know, there's people here in Brooklyn who've been producing television weekly for decades. And they're, you know, these, these are, they're now like in their sixties or something like that. And they'll come in and they're like, yeah, no, I've been making my show here in the studios or when, when the, when our studios were elsewhere for like 20 years now, or I was doing a show here for 10 years, 30 years ago. And now I'm back and I'm learning how to, how to create things, how to create things again. There's so many opportunities to share and create beyond the structures that are presented to us as um, the best ways to do it or the most professional and the preferable ways to do it uh, that are all about making somebody else money, that are all about commercials, toy commercials, which I don't have any problem with the toy commercials. Give me all the Marvel movies. Give me a $200 million um advertisement for netflix martin scorsese fine i don't really like the irishman but like i have no disrespect to it for netflix said we want to hook people who are big film buffs here's 200 million dollars martin scorsese go make this ponderous movie um and like i thrilled for all of that but i also think that there's a lot of voices that are getting they think that that's the, the way that they have to go. And there's a lot of other opportunities out there. And I think that before what we had was we had this sort of like, almost like farm system, what you were describing with uh, Corman or with Lloyd Kaufman. We had this like farm system of filmmakers and we got a lot of great filmmakers out of that. We got a lot of fine filmmakers out of that. Um, but we got a lot of films out of it too. And we got a lot of variety of films like, you know, Death Race 2000 is an amazing movie. It's a ridiculous, amazing movie. And it's out of the Corman house of things. And, you know, that's not something that you would get from a lot of other places. Uh, and a lot of other times, like, I don't think, like, you don't get that movie really today, except for out of maybe like a couple of, a couple of people in like Canada who like, scraped together some some money and uh got a grant from the from from their film board and then make something wild like uh turbo kid um you know 
that's, but we don't have that kind of farm system anymore we, because it's because of the democratization of it, because they can't control it anymore. It's now about like contextualizing things in terms of, in terms of like, oh, well, we're the profession. This is the right way to do it. It's like, you got to do it the Hollywood way, um, which is, you know, like getting people killed on tr with trains is the Hollywood way. Um, and uh, I think I would love it if there was more of like this opportunity for like, here we want to produce like horror films or low budget films or whatever. And I think the asylum kind of tries to do this. Mm -hmm. um, I would love, but I would love it if it was more like, all right, here's our low budget films. You have made short films like, or like you can just like some way to like go out there and say like, yeah, here I can, I can direct. I, you know, I have a crew or I work with a crew. Like, you know, there's, and there's even like, maybe even like, it would be wonderful if they would just kind of allow for that, but it's too monetized. It's too, it's too driven by this, like who, you know, sort of thing or who your, who your parents were sort of thing more than it ever was, I think. Um, so it, while so many more people can do it, so few people have access to ways to do it um, where it's a career or it can be a career. Um, and then it's also one of the few arts where it has to be a career, where it has to be um, where, like, you don't, you don't hear people obnoxiously. God, I hate when people do this. You don't hear people obnoxiously say, it's the painting business. <laughs> but my God, the number of people I fucking heard say, and I've said it, so fuck me too. Uh, man, I hope I can swear. Cause <laughs> you could totally swear. Fuck okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but like, uh, the, just, just like people who just say it's the film business. I'm like, you know what? It's an art. And, uh, I'm still refining this metaphor. Cause you know, I'm one of those people, like, I think a lot of people, I have arguments in my head, like in the bathroom. Uh, so you, you said you're a writer. People. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've got those, I've got those like, all right, I'm going to have an argument with this imaginary person right now. <laughs> There's a question but, I'm probably going to ask you later, at least ask for an answer for whether you became a writer because you're just having all these endless conflicts in your head. So you decided to redirect on a paper, but please continue. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think it's, it's like film is an art where it, it seems like you're not real, you're not real you're not a real filmmaker unless you're doing it like on this grand commercial scale uh, where you're making somebody else money. Um, and, um, and it seems to me to be the equivalent of saying that you're not a real painter. If you're not painting murals for hotels, those are the only real painters. Did you paint a mural at a, at a, at a Hilton? No, then you're not a real painter. Like it's the only art where it's like like your value to the the grander commerce is the only uh, is the is like the only measure of your 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 value as a as a creator. And now you um, see, just to break break from that for a quick second, isn't that yeah. funny? Because doing a painting on the wall of a hotel is exactly what most classic art was to begin with. Mm -hmm. It didn't hang in museums. It was paid for by very rich people. Uh, merchants usually, uh, probably in a coastal town, I assume, uh, you know, which Italy had a lot of during a certain period of time. Um, you know, yeah, and just sidebar. Oh, God. Yeah, totally. Let me just let me just recall this entire story. 
Oh God. Oh, I'm missing the artist's name. Oh, the ceiling, the Sistine Chapel ceiling was done by Michelangelo. Michelangelo, I think. Yeah, Michelangelo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, he's one of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he's one of the Ninja. I remember it was one of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, And I'm sure that's a doomsday prophecy if that's how we remember art. But did you hear what his next gig was? Um, no. Well, you see, uh, the powerful family at the time in Italy was the Medici's. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Medici's after Michelangelo finished the Sistine Chapel, uh, it was around Christmas time, and the family wanted the greatest artist in the land, being Michelangelo at the time, to make them a snowman in their front yard. And they paid him to do it, and he did it. Oh, oh okay. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, like when we poo-poo people who get paid to do art, maybe we should remember sometimes that Michelangelo wasn't just inspired one day to paint the Sistine, the roof of the Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. He was paid for it because it was mostly craft and an occupation requiring commerce. Yeah. Which is and- also why I get upset when people ask me to do things for free for the quote unquote exposure, because last I checked, my rent is not paid in that. Yeah. I like, I will I have worked with many people where I have not been able to pay, but the only thing I won't say is I'm like, I'm never going to tell you it's for exposure. I'm just going to be like, I'm going to owe you. And I try to pay those back whenever I can. Uh, I, I still owe a lot of people for my feature, um, but I, I try to do whatever I can. It's an actor and they need a real cut. I'll do that. If they need something shot for them, I'll try to do that. I'm like, there, there are other forms of... There are other forms of uh, commerce, I guess, is not quite the word, but basically like we can exchange, we can work exchange essentially is what I try to do, but never the exposure thing. Because for one thing, I don't really have that big of an audience. So uh, you're going to get exposed to like my friends. My friends and a couple of, and a couple of internet folks that also happen to very I'm very fortunate happen to watch my things, and random people who are like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Um, <laughs> reviewers that I con into watching my movie. Beautiful, beautiful. Very interested to see what your press releases are like for that. That that, that email exchange must be magnificent. <laughs> i'm just like here's my movie would you watch my movie watch the m- movie here we won an award wouldn't you like to watch that and then the review is um make what, what was the exact phrasing may cause unsuspecting viewers to say wtf um is is one of my favorite lines from one of the worst reviews of my feature Okay, to be fair, that's an incredible review if you put it in the right, right context. And I've used that for marketing like ever since because I'm like, it's, it's, uh, I was like, because I've, I, my, my film has like a mix of like really, really, really like enthusiastic reviews, like absurdly so, like you'd think I paid them to do that. And ones where they're just like, what did I just watch? I mean, fortunately, I have more enthusiastic ones because, like, you know, when you're when when you're an indie filmmaker, you kind of have to go out and say, "Hey, I have a film. Do you want to review it?" And I was kind of selective about that, and I reached out to people who I thought would like it. Um, so, so yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's just uh, the the whole thing about like the art and the commerce thing like i firmly do like i don't have a problem like like the whole like yeah get get paid 
like um but also like we don't live in a system where we don't live in a system where it's a sustainable thing to do necessarily because people don't really want to pay for it like um if you do make something of your own and you fund it yourself or you find other ways to fund it like you're not going to break even on that like unless unless you luck out like i was just having this conversation with a with another filmmaker a horror filmmaker recently we were talking about it not so much a lament so much as a discussion on like hey so how's your how's your most recent thing doing eh, it's fine people are watching it every once in a while make a little bit off of it you even breaking even no <laughs> and both of us were like yeah i always kind of hope that i would at least break even and now we're just both at the point where it's like yeah no so if you if you're not making stuff where somebody where you're selling something for other people man you better love what you're doing and that's and that's kind of where we're both kind of coming at and both of us getting to the point where it's just also like and also just not pretending that it's otherwise like there was this myth going around a couple of years ago uh or this not myth um catch catchphrase what's what's the other word buzzword buzzword that was going around in in the indie film community a couple of years ago um uh, about the working class filmmaker, the middle class filmmaker, different versions of the same thing. It's a lie. <laughs> like you can be those things and like crew mm-hmm. or like in post or like, you know, like that, like you can be out there as a professional in those ways. That makes perfect sense. But we're talking about like, I'm an independent filmmaker making my own story like this, this thing of mine, I want to shoot a film. I want to put it out there in the world. That's not, a, that's, that's not a, that's a, like, you got to be something else. You're not going to be like creating this art and then making enough off of it to, to, to pay your bills. Just not um, because of the ecosystem that we're in. Um, you can't sell enough units to make your money back because you don't have the marketing budget to do it. And if we look at even the big people, the big ones, Disney and all of that, they don't make their money off ticket sales. They don't make their money off DVD sales. They make their money off toys, they make their money off toys and uh, Burger King cups, you know, like uh, licensing. Mm. That's where they make all their money. Uh, the, the parks, uh, they even released like a breakdown of Disney's income a couple of years ago. And if you looked at it, like their income from films and stuff, films and TV is low. Um, but off of everything else, all the licensing and merchandise, it's massive. That's how they make all their money. I'm not going to be able to merchandise my thing, unfortunately. Uh, I should probably figure out how to do that. But like there was this thing that was going around and this is all related to the ecosystem that we're in for film right now. I wish there was, again, that kind of farm team sort of system where you could come up through um, people who were out there producing uh, and, and, and saying, hey, I'm going to give this person a chance. They made something uh, in this space. Part, and I don't think we'll ever really get back to that point again um, because it's 
it's it's it's that double-edged sword of it almost being too accessible now and um there's there's uh it's it's avail it's it's available to the point where and people conflate too much like filmmaking and video making uh which has been happening since i since i started in film just a little over a decade ago with youtube you know people would say oh you just start a youtube channel Dude, these people are making a lot of money on youtube you should just do a thing on youtube and i was mm. like i'm not a that's not what i do i'm not yeah. a youtuber or now it's tiktok which i am unfortunately slightly addicted to um i mean i've got yeah. some therapy groups if you need some recommendations <laughs> but uh but uh, yeah, it's just like, it's so accessible that like, we don't unfortunately have that space anymore. And it would be wonderful if we did, because there's a lot of very creative, um, interesting filmmakers out there who I think deserve to have the opportunity to have somebody who will produce for them. Who yeah. will say, who will say, you're my, you're a director for this film. This is how you're going to get noticed by other people who are going to hire you as a director for this film, uh, for films. And uh, you don't have to produce this. You show up and you direct. You do, you do the director work. Because a lot of us who are doing the indie film right now, especially in the horror community, uh, we are both the directors and the producers of the films, which are difficult hats to wear at the same time. Yes. Um, because you're trying to be really creative, but then also trying to crush your own creativity under your budget. Um, so you're like, I really want to do this shot where we push in, we do this, we do, and and then you know we're going to need a crane for it. And then you turn around, like you put on a different hat and you say, we do not have the budget for that. You can't do that. You can use an iPhone on a shop, duct tape to a shopping cart, <laughs> and you have one take. Um, so you have to do that to yourself. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, I, I always sound a lot more, I feel like I always sound a lot, sorry, it's motorcycle. Um, uh, I, I always feel like I sound a lot more dire about this stuff than I actually am. Like, I'm not like it's, it's all hell and we should all give up. Like, I don't believe that. I'm just also, I'm not the, I get so tired of a lot of sunshiny, like, uh, discussion of this mm -hmm. that i think fools people okay. into thinking that it's super easy like and i'm like I, I get really tired of like this 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 attitude that comes through sometimes just like no we're all gonna like it's it's all gonna like come to come together we're all gonna be able to live off this and you're gonna be able to I'm like no we're all gonna have a really hard time with this and uh do it only if only if you're passionate about doing it because uh i see a lot of people trying to get in because they because they're like yeah i'm gonna get famous or i'm gonna make a lot of money off of it or i'm like no you got to do this because you really really care about doing this um before you continue too far let me sorry keep, keep yeah please ask me another question before <laughs> I, I will keep rambling i will keep rambling Apologies. no it's okay it's okay no i was just uh, i was just going through my meter here and be like okay i need to at least ask one question every 20 minutes but um but I still like the way that it's going. I want to continue in that. I just want to give a little like context for it. Uh, let's go ahead and establish the idea that filmmaking, uh, as Werner Herzog would tell anybody, is an athletic uh, occupation. Absolutely. It is backbreaking. Uh, you you know your legs are more important than the cute ideas in your head. Um, 
with that in mind, and now that there's the idea that there isn't necessarily a financial reward for this calling card short horror film that you're making at the end of the day, why do you keep doing it? And why do you have, uh, I would, uh, I, I didn't do a, an accurate count, but a, more than a dozen on your IMDb profile. Why, uh, why do you keep doing it? Um, so for me, it's, it, it's the thing I have to remind myself a lot because I get frustrated. I get, I get frustrated myself. I get frustrated at like, um, the, the circumstances and, um, Cause I want it to be something where I'm just doing this. Um, but I look back to why, I, why, why I decided to do this. Cause I didn't grow up anywhere near this stuff. Excuse me. Um, I grew up in Alaska and I did not start in film. I got, uh, I always loved film. I thought about film school briefly. Um, after uh after college i was like oh maybe i'll go to film school maybe let me think about it thought about going to, for editing looked at like a catalog from a school and then i fell into working in software for a couple of years um i mean just kind of stuck with that like a lot of like my early 20s was just kind of rolling with whatever opportunities presented themselves and i ended up in some uh just sort of staying staying in my hometown for college but also getting very involved in like uh local politics and uh some i mean also some issue politics uh working with uh Planned Parenthood a lot back then um and uh then into so and then I just kind of fell into software and was doing that for a little while and was good at it I was good at it um but I hated it uh, and then there was like a succession of things that happened. A couple of them happened over a couple of years. Um, and they were really, um, I think started, uh, it's a, you know, it's a nonlinear thing, uh, how these, how these come together, but started with one friend dying who I hadn't actually spoken to much after high school. Like we were in the same town. I just didn't see him very much. And then he died in a, unfortunate like sort of freak accident oh god i'm um, sorry yeah it was, i mean it was it was, a, it was a driving accident like little like car accident and um that i that affected me in a few ways like i just you know there's there's guilt over not talking to somebody for a while there's just um i don't you know i don't think anybody processes a lot of that stuff very well but i know i don't particularly like have like i don't really know what to do with myself in a lot of those situations um and uh like, so that happened and then a couple of years later once i was in software so again like this sort of non-linear sort of thing mm -hmm. uh almost the exact same thing happens to another guy who i had just gotten back in touch with like three months earlier like seen and hung out with a little bit and we said we we're gonna hang out again um, and, uh, and then that happened. And then six months after that, um, a boss who was, who's, who, you know, looking back on, it, I realized it's kind of more of a much, very much a mentor sort of figure for me, um, at the time, uh, suffered a serious head injury, uh, because the company that I was working at, he, he was, um, running with his wife, we'd gotten absorbed by a larger company and then they were shutting him down. And then the stress just like sort of set him off a little bit. And he had a fall and, uh, had a very serious, um, very serious head injury, uh, had to learn how to talk again. 
uh, stuff like that. Uh, and after all, it was basically after that, I was in a position where the job that I had, because they were closing us down, was ending. Um, I was looking at what happened with him. I was thinking about what happened with this other guy about a year earlier. And then again, the, the first, uh, the first fella, um, and another person, uh, around, uh, around that time was, uh, was this, was this uh, young woman who I went to high school with, who goes to college first year in college, discovers she's got a brain tumor. Uh, and she was a wonderful singer. And all, all of this kind of swam around in my head back then. This was 2007. And I said, you know what? I always wanted to do, I always loved film. I want to do film. I thought about this before. I kind of shied away from doing it. Um, and I decided that like looking at these things and like, you know, I could die tomorrow. I could just get hit by a bus. I could, I could keel over and die for whatever reason. Um, why am I doing things that are not the, what I want to, where I want to be and what I want to be doing. Like I, I do want to make a film and I, you know, I'd been hanging out with a couple of friends. We'd, we'd played around with the idea of making a film about like a months before this. And I was like, no, I want to go to film school and, or I just want to get, I want to go somewhere to, and actually get into making film and telling stories in film. And so that's when I, I signed up for film school in New York, I put down a deposit uh, for the next year uh, because I was like, all right, I'll find a job in the meantime and uh, save up a little bit. I'm going to move to New York um, and, and do this thing because of this sort of like, I could die at any time. And if I'm not doing something towards this thing that I care about doing, this telling stories in film, then you know, will, will, how, how will I feel in those last moments? Will I feel like I've wasted it uh, or not? And uh, I think that's the thing that I returned to, uh, to keep me going on it is, uh, this is what I want to be doing. And this is something that like, I've committed myself to in a lot of ways. Like I moved 4,000 miles to a place where I don't know I didn't know anybody. I, I moved here with my, with my wife and we knew each other and not the best way to do it. Honestly, like, uh, probably should have had a job where both of us, one of us should have had a job here first, but also moved right before the financial collapse or right in the middle of the financial collapse in 2008, which was also hard. Uh, that was, yeah, it was not, it was not great. So it's not been like the easiest 13 years. Like there's a lot of things that didn't actually start coming together until even just like three or four years ago mm -hmm. in terms of like just income and steady income. Uh, so like a decade here of just like scrambling and scraping and making whatever films I could. And I, I, I have made quite a few films. It's been, I, I have a few, uh, I've slowed down a little bit in the last few years and on my own stuff. Uh, first I made, partly because I made a feature and that was occupying a lot of my time and partly because I've been putting a little bit more energy into um, producing works with and uh, with other uh, filmmakers uh, and teaching a lot more. And that is all kind of part of that as well. That's part of my, like, I've learned a bunch of stuff and I continue to learn a bunch of stuff doing this. And it's really, it's just sort of important to me to make sure that I can share that with other people and be encouraging as much as I can to people who I feel like are passionate about it. Like people who are 
like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like be the next whatever. And I'm, you know, I want to know what Hollywood gonna do that. I'm like, okay, cool. You do that. You have fun with that. I don't know how to do that. Um, but the people who are like, I really want to tell this story or who have like a really creative, interesting vision. I'm like, yeah, what do you need? Like, how can I help you? Let me encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because you should, because you're doing something interesting and different and unique. And I kind of see those as all part of the same thing, because for me, it's, I keep going because I committed myself to it. I uprooted myself and my wife and we moved all the way across a continent and um, sort of persevered through uh, some tough times and some, you know, I mean, other people certainly have had worse times, but not easy times for us uh, a lot. And I look back on it and while there's plenty of my films where I'm like, ah, oh, that could be better, all learning experiences and all like, I feel like each one, each, each subsequent film is, has been better than the, has been better than the last in some way or, or another. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, it's all, it comes down to like, when I think about this sort of, all of this, I think about also like, why did I choose to do it? And, and that, and, and I remember, and I remember that, like, I still feel that way that like, people always think it's, or not people always think, but like people tend to think that they're like, well, that's a little morbid. You think you're just going to die. I'm like, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But like, I'm not like thinking about it all the time. I just like, <laughs> when I start to question like my choices in life, that's when I go back to it. And I say like, yeah, like there's people who got cut off early uh, or even maybe not even necessarily early, but like who got, uh, who got like things taken away from them one way or the other. And that can happen to any of us at any time. So you might as well be working towards the thing that you love and the thing that you care about. And films are one, uh, films are probably one of the, the main things that really just sort of, I love, I love getting into it with them. Uh, I, the one thing that's actually made it the one thing, and this is something that I'm reckoning with right now, is that that has actually made it less fun and less something that I enjoy being a part of is thinking about like, oh, my career and, oh, I've got to do this so that I can, you know, uh, get funding or get or make money or like get a return on this. Like uh, I got really burned out after releasing my feature because people bought it, people watched it, people rented it. Um, but like... I still have a whole bunch of debt from it. And I just kind of look at it and it's like, oh, I got to get a return on that somehow. And then thinking like, mm, that makes it like it made it for a little while. Like I was kind of avoiding like even being on set for a little while uh, because it just started to have that kind of pressure to it and, and, and unfortunate vibe to it. And I realized that more recently and I'm like, okay, I just have to get away from that thought. I'm going to go back to doing this because it's fun because I love it and back to thinking about things, not in terms of like, let's make money off of it, but let's have fun. I mean, I think my last short film was a little bit more like that, but was before I was kind of going through this thought process, rubber ducky, which doesn't make any sense, but is super fun to watch. I still have one of the stars of it right here. Rubber oh ducky. shit. That's the rubber ducky. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh 
but yeah, it's just this, it's just this thing of like, you do have to love to do it because it is something that beats the hell out of you. And then the reward is really just the end product of it. Like there isn't really anything after that. There's like, you know, maybe you'll get paid for something or maybe you'll get hired to do something else and you can, you can pay your bills, but like making a film and like making something that you care about and making something that, that like, that is the reward for it. Um, and remembering that, remembering that like tomorrow I might not be able to do it um, for any reason. Thanks, Sean. For more from Sean, please visit sean-mannion.com and fourmilecircus.com. Make sure to check out drinkingwithcreatives.com, where you can support us by contributing to our Patreon. And don't forget to subscribe and download on your preferred platform. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.